Welcome to Listen In, Father and Daughter Talk About Life. I'm Norman. I'm Sarah. We are father, Norman Viss, and daughter, Sarah Rapier. Our life experiences have spanned different continents and cultures, which has led to some interesting, educational, and sometimes challenging conversations between us. We thought it might be a good idea to share them with you. So we invite you to listen in as we chat about life. I'm retired, and Sarah is closer to 50 than 40, so we do have some life to chat about. For each episode, we choose a topic. Sometimes we just share stories from the past or the present, or we might choose a current event, a topic that has piqued our interest, or a theme from theology, relationships, politics, or whatever. We will share our experiences and perspectives. We will challenge each other to see things from the point of view of the other. We hope that this conversation will interest and entertain you and encourage you to have more of these kinds of conversations with those you love. So welcome to our podcast and please listen in. So today is our very first episode. We're just starting out and uh, I'm sure we're both a little bit nervous. But we're just going to jump in and see how it goes, and mostly just keep it relaxed and informal. Today is biography. We'd like to tell you just a little bit about where we have been and what we have been doing over the last decades. But we thought it might be a little boring if we just did it with monologue, just giving the story of, of our life. So we've chosen to do it in a question and answer format. So Sarah has a number of questions for me. And I have a number of questions for her. And I will say, and this is actually the truth, that we do not know what the questions are. So I'm going to get a question that I have not seen before, and she's going to get questions from me that she hasn't seen before. It is true that um, if we ask a question of one another and you don't want to answer it or whatever, feel feel free. Um, we, we get a pass. That, we want to have that option also. Because literally, we do not know what the questions are going to be. So again, welcome to this first uh, biography podcast. We're going to do it question answer style. And I'll open the floor for the first question. Okay, so when I was thinking about this the other day, I realized that I have never even asked you what made you become a missionary. What made me become a missionary? Um, boy, that's a good question. Um, I grew up in uh, in a church setting, in a in a church and Christian school and Christian home setting. It was a pretty a pretty much of a bubble. It was a healthy bubble, but it was a bubble. And um, my teenage years were in the late 60s, early 70s. And that was a time when there was a lot of um, a lot of excitement and drive about getting into missions. Things were changing very quickly. A big influencing event at that time happened actually in 1953, I believe, which is the year I was born. And that was the the killing of the five missionaries to the Aka Indians uh, uh -huh. out in the jungles of Brazil or Argentina. Peru, I believe. 
Peru, right. I don't know, somewhere down there. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a big event because it got worldwide news and it was kind of a feeder for that you were, you needed to be willing to give your life for the cause of the kingdom. Hmm. And um, so that was big. And um, the whole combination of, 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 of the milieu at that time was just, um, um, if you could go into some kind of work for the church, that was great. And if you could be a missionary, that would be the greatest. Um, how I got into it was totally unexpected. I still remember thinking as a young person that um, I probably would never travel. I was just going to be in the U.S. and I was never going to. Traveling was just not on my screen. Nobody that I knew traveled. Um, it just it just wasn't a thing. And um, one Sunday morning, a missionary doctor came who was serving in Ethiopia, in Eritrea actually at that time, which was part of Ethiopia. They were they were having a civil war to break away from Ethiopia, and. Um, she told about her mission work at this little hospital. I was just finishing a two-year program in x-ray technology. And unbeknownst to me, my father walked up to her after the service and said, could you use an x-ray technician for the summer? <laughs> and she apparently said yes. <laughs> so when I got home after church that morning, uh, my dad, I don't, I don't remember it happening, but obviously he did. He dropped that suggestion on the table that perhaps that summer, that was in 1973, this would have been like February 73, that I should go to Eritrea that summer and spend three months working in this remote little tiny mission hospital, um, teaching and doing x-ray work there. And before I knew it, that was... uh, all, I don't know, the funds were raised, whatever we needed to do. And by, at the end of May, I stepped on an airplane. Uh, it was a Boeing 707 <laughs> and uh, flew to Athens. And then three days later, flew down to uh, Eritrea and spent three months. And that obviously got me traveling, got me involved in the work of missions, got me in, um, in Africa, for the, obviously, for the first time. And that was really the start of the thinking that perhaps uh, something like um, being in missions, being overseas, working in another culture, would be something that I uh, that I that I could or or should do. I must say it was not like some kind of a great spiritual thing that happened. Uh, yeah. it, it 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 just kind of happened to me. And I was interested in doing it. Um, your mother and I were engaged at that time, and we talked about it together. She was open for it, too, although she had never traveled either. And um, so we just headed in that direction, and one thing after another happened, and that's where we, we, ended, up, uh, we ended up in Nigeria. So that's you hadn't heard that story before? Well, I heard the story, but I wasn't. I realized that I didn't know like your motivation, like if that was something right. you'd always thought about or um, I, I didn't know, like I'd heard the story about how you got there, but I didn't know right. the motivation right. like behind it. Right. Like, 
Yeah, I don't, uh, frankly, I don't think there was a huge, big motivation. And certainly, I mean, there was a little bit of a, quote, spiritual motivation, but it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it, it, there was nothing dramatic about it. It was, it was just, I got thrown into this situation and it piqued my interest and uh, the, the combination of, of, of that church aspect, of course, as well as the adventure. And I don't, I don't know, I don't know what else just, it yeah. just attracted me. And um, Africa is a beautiful place and uh, it's just a place you never forget. And, and when I left, I didn't forget it and kind mm -hmm. of always wanted, uh, wanted to go back. So, and we, when we went to Nigeria in 77, you were five months old. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like, I mean, maybe that's similar to most people in their early twenties. That's kind of how I ended up in my first career too, is it just kind of happened. You know? Yeah. 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 So. I, I think a lot of people do have, especially if, if you go into, you know, like a church kind of a career and especially a missionary career, I think a lot of people do have some kind of spiritual experience with it. And, and right. I, I really very much, I mean, I was, I was committed to quote the message, but it, it wasn't a super, it wasn't like mm. something that overcame me that compelled me to do something. was interesting was pretty pretty standard yeah it just seems like a yeah well but it does seem like a big step to make for not having a strong spiritual drive for it necessarily you know what i mean like yeah or were yeah, there just no other options in terms of like like now you would have community development or you know a whole well, lot actually, of ways you could go to africa this complicates the story a little bit. When we first went, we we were we thought we would go in some kind of community development or some kind of teaching role, just to get some experience and not cost the church a bunch of money. That's that's. I won't tell the whole story now because it right, would right. take too. Long. It's boring. But um, we were thinking about doing some community development kind of things first, mm -hmm. and then circumstances happened that a a mission organization wanted us to go and they wanted to go as missionaries. Um, and they, they took the risk with us. And, um, so that's what happened. Um, but originally we were thinking about going, um, in, in a, in a, in a more secular kind of, um, kind of way, just, just to try it out and see how we would do together. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, there was something else I was going to say, but it slipped my mind. Uh, well, yes, looking back, I think um, I am obviously the kind of a person that that takes on a challenge. Right. So if you give me a challenge, I will take it. Right. And I, I'm sure that was a huge part of it. Uh, right. Just, just a huge part of it. Like nobody that you knew had ever done that before and... You know, so it was Certainly something new. I'd ever done it before. And mm -hmm. um, again, I could not have articulated it th this at that time. But looking back, I am a person. Give me a challenge and I'll take it. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, 
there's really nothing super spectacular or spiritual about it. Well, that's fine. <laughs> so let me ask you uh, okay. a question. Here's a question. I volunteer with an organization that um, provides services for youth in the in the uh, foster care system. And usually when I first meet a youth, this is one of the questions I ask them, which is this. What is your earliest positive, joyful, or happy memory? You know, first of all, I really dislike these kinds of questions because I have a super bad memory. So it's kind of like when you go to therapy and they're like, what's your first memory of your parents? You're like, "Ah, I don't know. Um, My first positive memory or joyful memory. Um. I mean, I don't know if they were first memories, but I do see, I have very few negative memories of Nigeria. I would say like most of my memories of my childhood um, feel very, very positive um, just in terms of like the people that were around us, um, you know, the experiences that I had. I don't, like, I just feel like those memories are all very good. One memory that involves you that's always positive and joyful is whenever you, I don't know if you, I'm sure you remember this, but whenever you would come to the, to the boarding school, I would run it. I would just always be so excited to see you. I don't know if you remember that. And I would just like run out the door and I'd be yelling, dad, 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 dad. And um, one time, one of the kids kind of made fun of me for that because they thought I was too old and I was like nine or something. I was like, I don't care. He's my dad. I'm excited to see him. <laughs> I should just mention, uh, um, we went to Nigeria in um, 1977 and um, we were there for 10 years. So Sarah was there for the first uh, 10 years, uh, 10 years of her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And we lived in a pretty rural uh, relatively isolated uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I went to a boarding school, which people usually look at me like with horror when they hear that. But that was, those were actually really good memories as well. Like I don't, I felt like I had so many like brothers and sisters around me and so many people to interact with and so many people that cared about me. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, so I don't know. That, I don't actually, have that, actually, that actually leads me to the next question. I'll just, I'll just, we'll get out of order Keep here going. and I'll ask the next question, which <laughs> is what, what did boarding school give you that has mm. helped you in the rest of your life? Um, so boarding school, I think I was already an independent child, I would think. I feel like that's how you guys would describe me. But uh, so it definitely just encouraged kind of my independence in terms of like um, problem solving, um, taking care of myself. Um, It also gave me the ability to really um, befriend and just enjoy being around people from all different 
walks of life because that boarding school was not just um, like a boarding school of like homogenous people. It was a school, an international school, really. So like my one of my best friends was Indian and another of my best friends was a Nigerian, a daughter of like a Nigerian. I think he was in the oil business or something. And then, of course, the other even the other missionary kids were from Canada and other places. So I really enjoyed that experience, just like having kids around of all different age, ages, um, cultures, you know, and of course when you're kids, you don't really know that that's different. That just feels totally normal. Um, so sometimes it kind of takes me um, by surprise that like, so I live in the South now and I'm white, obviously. So it, it takes me by surprise that people um, maybe assume certain things about me <laughs> because really that, that experience really um, broadened my, you know, like my experience with people and my ability to like interact with people in so many different ways. Um, those are probably the, the two you know, biggest, biggest thing for sure. Yeah. 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 I will mention just going back to, to that, to that memory of me coming up, you were, you were, um, about a, a whole day's car journey away from us. And you spent six, usually six weeks at a time or something like that at school. And then there would be a case times that we would drive up and spend a week or so up there or um i would come up for meetings which is right. probably most times that you're speaking about and then um uh, then you would come home uh, basically for holidays which was basically christmas i think and the summer break i don't think we did thanksgiving holidays maybe uh, easter I, I feel like we yeah, came back for an easter i don't remember but anyway, you were yeah. home a couple times a year, but in the summer, of course, for a couple months. Um, so that's that was the situation there. So that's why when I came up, it was usually, you know, we hadn't seen each other for at least a few weeks, if not longer. Yeah. So that's, well, I think uh, it was always special when you came by yourself. You yes. know, like that was yeah. always like, I mean, not that I wasn't. It was those times that I remember, you know, being right. so excited right. because it wasn't. Right you and mom and the boys it was you know just you and yeah and that that will remind you to mention that you have two younger brothers who were born there so uh all all together we're a family a nuclear family of five so what's your next question for me all right my next question for you was another one that i don't think i've ever asked you or mom Mm -hmm. is so we left nigeria when i was 10 and my younger brothers were eight and five, I think, ish. Yes. So why, what led to leaving Nigeria at that time? What was the timing for, for that? Yeah, um, it's, of course, complex. Um, I think the main thing was we had been there 10 years. And um, I was just feeling like um, I needed I needed, for several reasons, a little bit professionally, a little bit for my own personal development, uh, spiritually maybe is a word I would use, uh, that we just needed to make a change. 
Um, but that was quite vague, actually, to tell you the truth. It, it wasn't much more than that. Um, we just felt we needed to make a change. And the organization that we were with, although they didn't want us to go and they offered, they offered us some other opportunities that would have at least changed where we were and, and what we were doing a little bit. We just felt we needed to make more of a clean break. Uh, and, um, I think the other thing is now that I'm speaking of it is I've always had instinctively, and now it's explicit, the idea that I at least wanted to be, um, with my feet, my, my boots in the mud and not just be doing a, an administrative behind the desk kind of life. And as I was moving, quote, up in the organization, that's what was happening. I was getting into administration and spending more and more time behind a desk and in meetings and less time with my boots in, in the mud, so to speak. And, and in Nigeria, because of the way status works, it's very hard to reverse that trend. Once you're administrator and behind a desk, then it's, it's the boys that do the work and you... Mm stay behind your desk. And I was not, I was very young. I was 33. Right. Uh, and I was way too young to spend the rest of my life behind a desk. And I think that was a main driver of wanting mm. to make a change. Mm. So, yeah. Did you, did you leave with another idea in mind or was it just, this isn't right. So we're going to go back and see what comes next. I would say we left we left with a very general idea for some reason and again I simply cannot explain it I have no explanation for it at all we were interested in doing some church work in Europe in western Europe uh and we were interested in doing it in a team setting and I think the reason for that is because we had been those 10 years in Nigeria pretty much alone hmm pretty much isolated and figuring everything out ourselves, which was great. And it taught us a lot, but, um, I, I think I wanted to move in a direction of having a little more community and being able to work together on a project together with other people. Uh, so we were thinking about team and then we were thinking about, uh, Western Europe, the team thing I can explain, uh, pretty easy, but the Western Europe thing, I can't explain, except perhaps that it, that I knew it would be a huge challenge, and I was, I guess, in for a challenge or up for a challenge. I'm not sure which, what's the right way mm -hmm. to say that. Mm -hmm. So, but we we left Nigeria with no job or no anything in front of us. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you ready for a question from me? Sure. <laughs> What would what would be a word or phrase that would, if you just look back over your your whole upbringing? I should mention now we ended up after Nigeria. We had a two and a half year break in the United States, and we ended up in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. We went yes. to Amsterdam in January of twenty of nineteen ninety, and mm -hmm. Sarah was thirteen, and Ben was eleven, and Will was eight. Mm -hmm. uh, so they were teenagers or in the in the tweens, I guess is the word that they use today. 
And um, so that was actually the next step that we took, just so that the listeners know that. Um, what would be a word or a phrase, maybe a sentence or two, if you had to like describe your upbringing? What words would you use? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, oh my goodness. Like, I would, I mean, obviously the word um, diverse is a huge one because just had, you know, you can imagine from Africa to like suburbia to Amsterdam was like three totally separate, separate situations. Um, so I would say just like in terms of environment, you know, diverse, um, what other word would I use to describe my upbringing the way, well, I guess maybe when I talk about it to other people, I use, I sometimes use the words like in terms of like, um, how I was like parented and stuff um i use i don't it definitely wasn't like strict you know like it wasn't i feel like there was a lot of um room for grace and discussion as we got older i guess um so like i don't feel like it was like restrictive like i would say it was pretty free um I would say when I think about my upbringing, I think I was given a lot of space to to kind of just develop um, and be who I was without really a lot of expectations, I don't think. Um, so I don't know if that was like a conscious choice or just <laughs> the way it happened. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a positive. I mean, I, it's a positive spin on ignoring you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, they're like, "Do you think your parents like did that on purpose?" I was like, "I, I really don't know. That's a good question." Um. So yeah, I feel like I feel like in some senses that there was that. Um. Then I mean, it was also there were lots of it. There were parts of it that were just really challenging and difficult. Um, you know, in terms of, um, like relationally, just a lot of people, like the way I describe it is there were just people kind of in and out of my life a lot, which has its positives and its, you know, challenges. Um, uh, so I feel like I have a lot of relationships in my head, um, that were really good, important relationships, but aren't necessarily ones that I still have, you know, like, um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that answered the question, but that's kind of how I how I view it. Mm. Um, and of course, I was really young when I left home. So just to put that in context, I was only 16, you know, when I came back to the States. And at the time when you're 16, you feel really mature. Um, 
but like looking at it back now as like a parent, you know, and an adult, you like you don't know anything when you're 16. Um, so I feel like after 16, um, even though I was on my own, you know, here in the United States going to college and everything, um, it, it was almost like I was, that was a whole other, like, um, learning experience, growth experience that, um, yeah, was, was almost like being parented in like a more traditional, you know, evangelical American way because I was only 16. <laughs> so I felt like an adult. Parented Pardon? by who? Parented um, by who? Probably the, 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 I went to, you know, Covenant College. So I went to a, um, so just whatever the influences around me, you know, which were not my parents anymore because you guys were still in the Netherlands. So my, my influences and more of my ideas of right and wrong and morality and whatever were from that, you know, that perspective. let me just fill that in a little bit. Sarah uh, completed uh, Dutch high school in the Dutch language in the Netherlands. And then in, I believe it was 1993, uh, in in August, I think, something like that, mm-hmm. uh, you were 16, getting ready to turn 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and you, went, you went back uh, to the United States to do one year of high school, which you did in Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. And then uh, went down to Covenant College, just south of Chattanooga, Tennessee, four-year college. So really, mm-hmm. from the time you were almost seventeen, mm-hmm. you were out of the house, pretty much on your own, and a long way away from us. And at that time, of course, there was really no internet yet. I don't believe um, phone calling was expensive, so we had lots of periods of time where there wasn't much uh, much contact with all. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about those years at some point yeah. from both. Yeah, that'll be a whole. <laughs> they were, they were, they were. I think they were hard in many ways for for both of us. Right. Um, let's uh, let's let's do two more questions. We're at about thirty minutes here. Um, okay. Give, give me one more, and I'll give you one more. Okay. Um, so thinking of like the three main main kind of cultures that you lived in. Nigeria, Amsterdam, the United States. Just, I know it's maybe hard to be brief, but like, what what do you see were the benefits of each one, and the challenges or the, I don't want to use the word negatives because I don't, but yeah. you know what were yeah. kind of like the positives and the challenges of each of those. Yeah, the Nigerian culture, of course, was extremely different than the culture I grew up in, and. Um, I think my big takeaways were um, the importance of community, dependence upon mm-hmm. one another. So mm-hmm. those those of us that were working for our organization, I'll just use the the white the white people, mm-hmm. uh, had all kinds of systems to keep ourselves uh, alive and in good health, and we were really dependent on each other in all mm-hmm. kinds of ways, even though we lived isolated. And of course, the Nigerian community, Nigerians, is a very communal, it's not an individualistic culture at all. I wish I had been more mature and and open to understanding that Mm -hmm. and 
and reflecting on it at the time and exploring it more. Um, but I wasn't, I also hadn't been trained that way. Um, but that certainly was a huge takeaway uh, for me. The other one, of course, in terms of the challenges is just the poverty and the, um, the, uh, the influence of colonialism and what that's done to a lot of Africa, but certainly Nigerian culture and economics and politics. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were a lot of pretty typical struggles as a, as a, you know, a wealthy, educated white person. I often say when I walked into a village in Nigeria, I was like uh, Jesus, Buddha, Mahatma Gandhi, Mohammed, um, all in one, and the whole village would stop and come and li- listen to all the pearls of wisdom that were coming from my lips. And of course, if I from had your twenty-year-old, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If if I had any other things to offer, like a ride somewhere or or something else, of course that was so. It was a pretty a position of power. Which again, I didn't realize at the time, but looking back, um, is very striking to me. And the reverse happened when I went to Amsterdam because uh, the Dutch appreciate Americans very much, particularly for their role in World War II. Mm-hmm. But after that, uh, it starts to drop. Uh, and nowadays, of course, I'm sure it's way down in the cellar <laughs> with our current political situation. But um, so when I got to the Netherlands, uh, I was American and um, uh, was trying to learn the language. And um, so so I was at the bottom, not exactly the bottom, but kind of the bottom of, of the ladder. And that was that was another kind of a challenge, um, which, which I didn't expect. I didn't know it was going to happen, but it was very, very, uh, very, very significant. Hmm. Um, but I, I have a lot of respect for also the Dutch sense of community. It's different than Africa. There's much more individualism, but it, but the culture is rooted in uh, yeah. how can we be there for each other? We need to survive on this little piece of land that could flood us out any minute. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, that sense of, of, of being in community with each other and surviving in that community mm-hmm. was a huge positive. So both of those community types of experience, even though they were very different, have had a huge uh, impact on uh, on uh, on the way I look at life and the way I try to live my life. Does that mm-hmm. answer your question enough? I don't even remember yeah. the question. That- yeah. What about America? I mean, obviously, oh, I know boy. what all your... Do you, what about your positives about America? Yeah. Yeah, obviously, um, the size of the country, the space, the space that's here, there certainly is an atmosphere of you can do anything that you put your mind to, which is not so true in the Netherlands. And in Nigeria, you're, you're stuck in a system you, you can't you can't you can't break out of your poverty very much unless you're really willing mostly to do bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's certainly uh, the United States with this idea of as, as if you're willing to work and put your mind to it, it's, it's mm-hmm. not exactly true in all cases, but in general, there's right. a stimulation to um, to to move ahead and to to pursue any any dream that you want to pursue. That's the cliche. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think it's true. I think it 
it's um mm -hmm. it's uh yeah there are plenty of negatives which we'll talk about i'm sure in the coming <laughs> time but um, uh yeah is that is that uh, yeah. good enough yeah okay um here's a question that i don't think i've ever asked you before but it has been in my mind um mm -hmm. After moving about as a as a child between so much as you did, you've now put deep roots in a small rural town. You've been there since mm -hmm. 1994, mm -hmm. sort of. So that's what, 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, why have you made that choice to put the roots down so deep rather than be more mobile? Hmm. That's a good question. That I've actually thought about a lot. So I've thought a lot the missionary kids I know do one of two things. They either pretty much stay in one place or they kind of do how they did growing up. Um, I haven't really found, I'm sure there are exceptions, but almost every missionary kid I know is kind of on one extreme or the other. I think, I think a lot of my personality is actually, I like home. I like one place. I like, um, kind of that I like I like I'm a homebody um and so would you it's say just, would you say that's your personality or it's a reaction well that's I, I who knows I think yeah. I think a lot of it is my personality I think a yeah. lot of it is um I um I lived a very you know the life that we lived was very interesting and we moved and you know um but I think my personal how i like to be is just in one place or at least in one i like to be at home so um when we so um i'm currently divorced but when i got married my husband's family is from this area and so there was we wanted to be near somebody's family and obviously his was the kind of default answer because they were here and it was harder, you know, I wasn't a European citizen or anything like that. So we didn't really see a way to move to Europe or anything. So we stayed here at first. Um, we had thought about, um, he's a teacher. So we had thought about like going to a boarding school. Um, and I definitely had a reaction and, and being like house parents, I thought I would be an a good house parent. Um, but I did not want to raise support. I, I was not interested in not being financially stable, <laughs> which I think is probably definitely a reaction, you know, to kind of the missionary, you never know where you're coming from type situation. So um, when I found out that when we had to do that, we would have to raise support. I was just not, not interested yeah. in that at all. Um, and then, you know, once we started having children, um, church that we were going to at the time in the small town that I live in actually had a lot of people that did not live in this small town. And so it was people that were commuting either from the college um, or from Chattanooga, and they were not in this community. And so at the time, we felt like if we were going to commit to being at this church that we were at, that it was super important for us as a family to be part of the community. 
um, and to like, you know, have our kids be in sports and at the schools and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. That was, that was a very high value for me um, and him at the time. So, so we just kind of stayed. And once you have kids for me, um, you know, if there was ever a time where we'd think about doing about something else, I just, it was hard for me to imagine doing that. My kid, like, I don't know. I just, I valued the relationships they had and the stability they had um, for a different perspective. You know, not that, not that I'm unhappy with how I was raised, but um, I just liked you know, and then as they're teenagers, moving to the Netherlands was very difficult as a teenager. Um, And there definitely were good things that came from that, but it was so hard. And so once they became teenagers, we were kind of like, wherever we are, you know, we're in for the, the, the duration of high school. So, yeah. So that's kind of how we stayed. And, and now like the value of like, um, different challenges I've had in life more recently, you know, with, with getting divorced and, you know, just the, the support of just having people that I've known for years and years and years has just been, you know, I don't know how I would get that again. You know, if I, if I move somebody out somewhere else, there's definitely a difference to, I feel like my relationships growing up and maybe you saw this on the missionary community is, they're very, they're very deep and intense, but they may not last very long. So mm-hmm. you kind of have an immediate connection and you you go super deep and, you know, you immediate, but then someone might move or you might move or whatever. So I do just continued as I stayed here to see the value of like long relationships over time. And then the other thing I've talked a lot, but one more thing that I did realize is that, um, honestly, people are so much the same, no matter where you are, you know, like, I think there was kind of a negative view in my mind, you know, of Southern small town America and what that meant. Um, and then the longer that I lived here, the more that I just saw, you know, people are people, they all want the same things, have a lot of the same challenges, you know, it looks different contextually. Um, but it's, you know, it's really not that much different. <laughs> um, and so I, I do feel a lot like I, li- I still live cross-culturally because this is still a very foreign kind of yeah. culture to me. Um, but yeah, so that's a long answer and, and we can get into that more, but. I think a lot of my personality really is, you know, if we had all just like never left Philadelphia area, I probably would have been completely happy with that. I I don't have the same challenging drive like, like you do. (laughs) Cool. Well, we've been going for 40 minutes and I think uh, it's been a lot of fun. I think we've Uh learned uh, learned some things and, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's 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 been a blast. Um, I will say that um, obviously there's some Christianese here that uh, we've used. Uh, this podcast is not designed to be a Christian thing particularly. Um, 
so we hope we hope that even people who aren't involved in Christianity at all would be able to enjoy it and listen to it. And if if uh, if the Christianese is is not clear to you, hopefully the rest of it is enough so that <laughs> you've been able to enjoy it and, uh, and get something from it. If you have enjoyed this podcast, uh, especially because it's our first one, uh, please give it a five star rating, which helps a lot to spread the word. Not like we're trying to get famous or anything like that, but um, we're just curious to see what kind of a an audience this draws. If you want to leave a comment or question, feel free to do so. You should be able to do do so to the place where you uh, get your podcast. We do have a Facebook page. It's called Listen In Podcast. Uh, you could go there. Uh, we'll be posting each episode there, and you can comment there also. If you have a topic you'd like us to chat about or a question you want to ask us, uh, feel free. We'd be very open to that, and um, we can pick that up in a coming episode sometime. So don't hesitate to do that. So we really thank you for listening in. We look forward to uh, uh, catching you next time. I don't know. We're thinking maybe once or twice a month, something like that. Won't be every week for sure because we're both a little bit busy. But uh, keep your eyes posted. If you subscribe, I guess that's a thing. You can subscribe and then you'll yes. know instantly. You'll get some kind of a ping when the next one comes. And uh, so then you can uh, join us again. So again, thank you. Absolutely. And uh, we'll yes. look forward to catching you, uh, catching you next time. See All you, right. kiddo. Love you. All right. Bye, Dad. <laughs> Bye.